0: Thank you. We're talking uh, tonight about the mystery of earth and um, at the possibilities that earth might not be just 6,000 years old or just 11,000 years old, that it may be so beyond our comprehension that it would stagger us. And there are scriptures tucked away. There are hints and whispers of this in the scripture. And I'm going to throw them out, not for uh, Uh, to present a position or a doctrine or dogma, not that at all, because these kinds of wisps and whispers of Scripture can never be used as a basis for doctrine. They can be used as a basis of imagination spiritually and of awe and of contemplation on the great things of God. Um, So um, I want to read to you In introduction, um, what I I wrote in the newsletter, and some of you don't get the newsletter, and so I want to just read as an introduction something from there. But before we do that, I would like to ask the Lord's blessing on tonight and his control of it. So would you bow your heads? I'm reminded of the words, Lord God that your children of Israel pray to you. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe. And I'm reminded that they understood something in greater magnitude than we do, of you. And Lord, I give this night to you. I ask that uh, you would be in control of it that you would bless it and that all that we say or think or do here tonight would bring honor and glory to you, it would honor who you are, and it would magnify your name. I pray this in the name of Jesus, and I pray it for the sake of his kingdom within each of us. Amen. Um, What I wrote had to do with the idea of uh, the mysteries that come to us from a sacred hand. Uh, Off and on throughout the scripture, we see the writers, um, the human writers of scripture, speaking of the mystery of God, uh, the mystery of Jesus, the mystery of Christ in us, the mysteries hidden since before the foundation of the world. And so, as we're looking at this series, and I hope it will be a series in the fall, um, but we have two here. You can't call two a series, but maybe the beginning of a series. (laughs) Uh, But um, as as we look at the possibilities of looking at the mystery of time in the fall, at the um, the mysteries of Eden, uh, at the Uh, other mysteries that abound in the scripture. I want to just read this as an introduction uh, to the idea of how God comes to us. He comes to us wrapped, his majesty wrapped in human garb, obscure. If we don't look for it, we miss it. If we don't look for the majesty, we miss it. A king hidden in the manger, a conqueror concealed on a donkey. The majesty of God often comes wrapped in subtle garb, in brown paper packaging, in the everyday things we hardly notice, in simple words scripted on parchment or etched in stone. Miracles carried in reed baskets, hidden in the crumbs of fish and bread. The world is literally strewn with staggering mysteries. Mysteries from a divine hand, tucked away in the creative word of God, tucked away in heaven's ways here, are morsels of mystery allusions to an unfathomable God. And uh, so we look uh, tonight at this God who has said, my ways are not your ways, uh, nor are your thoughts my thoughts. Uh, my ways are so much higher than yours that uh, the eye of man has not seen nor the mind of man comprehended the things of God. And, um, and I'm reminded of a... Um, quote, uh, from a, a philosopher named Paul Tillich many years ago. He said, once we put God in a box, there is no God. When I first heard that, I thought, well, no, that's not true. But in a way it is true. If we box this infinite God in, then the God we have boxed in is not a God. God will not be boxed in. And, uh, I think the more we try to figure out, uh, find the answers to things and the formula to God and his ways here, uh, the more we get things figured out, the more I think we are fitting God into our box and forming him over in our image. Uh, when we think we have the age of the universe figured out or the earth is 6,000 or 11,000 or 100,000 years old. I mean, it doesn't matter what we have it figured out as. It's still probably not going to be right. Uh, But it is is us uh, needing to have answers to things that God may not want us to have the full answer to. The answer that he wants us to have is uh, a relationship with him. And um, so I'm reminded that um, uh, in in this um, this effort that you and I have as uh, as Christians and particularly as American Christians uh, to get all the answers, I I think that we sometimes are like ants uh, peering up through their their little tunnel and seeing a bit of light out there and uh, trying to figure out make. The world outside their anthole fit in their anthole. And so when somebody comes along, some giant something comes along and scuffs up their world, then they're trying to figure out who this being was, and they measure the size of this flat thing that landed on the anthole and messed up their world, and they take scrapings and they try to figure out this must be God. You know, and he's flat and probably no more than six feet high. And, and sometimes we do that. And, and so instead of tonight, us bringing God down into our ant hole, uh, I, I think he asked us to come out into his great, vast, immense space and, uh, and meet him there. And, you know, as people of faith, Uh, Faith is the instrument that God has given uh, to us to be at peace in mystery. Faith is the instrument. But faith also requires, by definition, faith requires mystery. Faith is the bridge from what we know to what we don't know and to the unseen God. So faith requires mystery, and yet it is the instrument by which God uh, uh, allows for us and designs for us to live in mystery in peace. Uh, So we're looking at uh, the hints and whispers of his majesty, and what I would like to do is um, turn to Genesis 1. And uh, uh, if you all want to... uh, I don't know if you brought anything to write on, but if you have questions as we go along, I've got some yellow kind of cardstock back there in the back if you need to just take notes because in about 40 minutes we will just take a break, go have some coffee and punch that Sheila Jenkins and Gabe Bostic have, have set up in the, in the office up there, and uh, Sheila has prepared all of it. Um, and then we'll come back for conversation. So if you want to have, if you have questions as I'm talking, because some things I'm going to throw out are kind of mind boggling, um, because there are scriptures that are just sort of pieced together. So, uh, if you need something to, uh, to write on, that's not the best thing in the world, but it's better than just a thin sheet of paper. So, uh, let's, um, let's, uh, let God, um, Help us catch a glimpse of the garment of eternity tonight. And let's look at verse 1 of chapter 1 of uh, Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved over upon the face of the waters. Now we have here, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now over in uh, Isaiah... 45, if you want to fairly quickly turn there, in Isaiah 45, as you're turning there, um, I want to uh, uh, read the commentary here uh, in Isaiah 45, uh, verse uh, 18, because we have God creating the heaven and earth, and yet the next verse says it was void and without form. And yet in Isaiah forty-five eighteen, it says, Thus says the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he has established it, he created it, not in vain. And if it's created void and without form, there there may be a sense of creating it in vain. He created it, he formed it to be inhabited. And yet here we see that right after He created heaven and Earth, it is void and without form. So what is this about? Uh, scholars for centuries have looked at this and been baffled by this. The Hebrew word there, uh, words for void and without form, mean waste, wasteland, vacant empty, with the idea of it was in a ruin. That's one of the meanings of the, one of the Hebrew words here. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was in ruin and empty, vacant. The, word, the Hebrew word for was can also be used for became, came to pass. In fact, in the scriptures, I don't know who spent all their time figuring this out, <laughs> but in, in the Old Testament, the word that is translated here, in the, the, the earth was, was void and without form, that word is translated as became or become or came to pass over 700 times. So if instead of using the word was, you use the more popular translation of that Hebrew word, for became, then it reads, the earth became a ruin became empty, desolate, a wasteland. And then you get to thinking, okay, what is this? And uh, a lot of scholars think that what happened here in chapter 2, in verse 2 of chapter 1, is reflected in the fall of Satan from heaven. And that when he was thrown down to Earth, it was a cataclysmic, destructive event. It annihilated the planet. It became a ruin. So it's not just, it's not just my thinking. This is uh, W.A. Criswell. I, uh, and I, I, I'm a mixed fan of W.A. Criswell. But um, when I was in junior high school, my dad was reading a book written by him. And in it, he was talking about that he felt like, verse two, uh, way back in the dark ages. <laughs> uh, he was talking. He was talking about his his belief that this represented uh, a destruction of the earth when Satan was uh, kicked out of uh, of heaven. And uh, so, then you think, okay, then. If earth was made to be inhabited, was it made to be inhabited before this destructive event? Because God did not create it in vain. So you go over and go with me to Jeremiah 4. And, you know, these are things, I just just want you to um, taste this. And I don't want you to follow my thoughts hook, line, and sinker. I want you to look at these scriptures and say, hey, what is he saying here? What is this about? I've been having to get out of my box and do some rethinking as I have really worked through this and studied through this, uh, boxes that I was sure I was right on. And so, you know, here we are. Uh, Jeremiah 4. Look at the context. Verse 23 frames the context here. I beheld the earth... And lo, it was without form and void. Genesis 1, verse 2. And the heavens had no light. What did we read over here in Genesis 1, 2? And darkness was upon the face of the deep. So I think the context is referencing this place in time. Or this place, not necessarily in time, it's before time. Earth before time, but it's referencing this this place that Earth was in. Now look what it says here, verse twenty four: Beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I looked, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of heaven fled, were gone. Look at twenty six. I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness, a desert, a desolate place, the fruitful place. that had been fruitful. It had, evidently had men, and that's, you know, uh, loosely constructed, but had human beings. It had birds, evidently. They had fled. There was no man. The fruitful place was a wilderness. And look what it says here. All the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by his fierce anger. Now, I think that this has been understood to mean maybe after the flood or something, or at the point of the Noah's flood. But the context is when the earth was void and without form. And it talks about the cities that were broken down by at the presence of the Lord. Presence of the, Lord. the presence of the Lord did not break down anything at the, at the time of Noah's flood. His fierce anger did. But the presence of the Lord and by his fierce anger. So you look at that and you think... What are we looking at before Genesis 1 1 and 2? Is this a window that's opening up here to show us something that existed before we have any comprehension of that? Um, the fruitful place was a wilderness. And all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by his fierce anger. Now let's go and look at Isaiah and Ezekiel. We'll start with Ezekiel 28. Uh, as, as we go, I'm going to open here for just a moment. Does anyone have any thoughts or comments? I, we're not going to go into a large <laughs> discussion um, here, but any thoughts or comments on those scriptures? As Some of these scriptures that we're going to look at can be taken more than one way. But I'm going to put them out to you anyway just for benefit of your thinking and stretching your, your processing of things a bit. Did you have a question that you wanted to ask? Okay. Anyone have any thoughts or comments on what we've looked at so far? Okay, turn over to Ezekiel 28. Now, what we're going to look at here in Ezekiel 28 and in Isaiah 14 clearly happened before Adam. Clearly happened. Hello. Clearly happened before um, Eden as we know it. It clearly happened before earth as we know it. Um, So in um, Ezekiel 28... Son of man, verse 12, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Uh, and he's going to be talking here about Lucifer, Satan before he fell, or around the time of his fall. And he calls him here the king of Tyrus. Thus uh, said the Lord God, you seal up the sum of uh, full of wisdom. You are perfect in beauty. You have been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, and it goes on to mention the stones. Going down to verse 14, you are the anointed cherub that covers. In other words, when he was in the mountain of God, which we'll look at down here in just a minute, he was one of the two guardian angels of the throne of God. The anointed cherub that covers. You will see that elsewhere in scripture, and it references... um, Those cherubim that cover and look over the throne of God. And so, this being at one point was that kind of presence in heaven. You are the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created. He was created till iniquity or sin was found in you. And by the the multitude of uh, your giftedness, uh, they have filled the midst of you with violence, and you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Um, You have defiled your sanctuaries. Verse 18. You have defiled your sanctuaries. That sanctuary there means a place set apart. And this is plural, so it would mean the place is set apart for you, set aside for you. You have defiled them. So we're seeing a being here called King of Tyrus here. He's called Lucifer over in Isaiah 14. And it's indicating that he not only was in heaven, but he had some places set aside for him by God. And Isaiah 14 gives us a clue or a hint about that. So Isaiah 14. And we'll start with verse 12. And remember in Luke, Christ said, uh, I beheld... Satan, as lightning, fall from heaven. Okay. Here's this point in the Old Testament, verse 12 of Luke of uh, Isaiah 14. How you are fallen from heaven, Lucifer's son of the morning. How you are cut down, where? To the ground. Which did weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. The mount of the congregation carries the idea of a gathering of people in worship and praise. So in Job, where he, in 38, where he says, Where were you, Job, when all the sons of God shouted for joy? And the stars of heaven saying?" I think that comports back over here to this mount of the congregation, where heavenly beings... Gather in this holy mountain of God, which we also know as Zion, and sing praises. And so he he is referencing this, and he is saying that this Lucifer said he would ascend up beyond that. Uh, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now, here he says you are cut down to the ground. And I wonder, as I have looked at that, why would God have put him on earth, cast him from heaven to earth? That seems like a cruel curse. But if you go back to what we read in Ezekiel 28, that he has defiled his sanctuaries. And the word sanctuaries means places set apart for him. And then you go over to Colossians 1 and you link this together. Verse 16 of Colossians 1 For by Christ were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions.